If there's football being played, there's money to be made. We break down our DFS core plays for week one of the NFL preseason. This and more tonight on the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check your stat line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the jet sweet, sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like they seen every play. So I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law with only one thing to do. I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line. Just one thing to say, yeah, what they don't know. Something they haven't seen. I'm off that mean Joe Green. It got me fading between. Yeah, I got it. And I got it. The In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, all right, all right. It is August 8th, 2023. The NFL preseason is among us. And we will be cashing in on those players who are fighting for their livelihoods this preseason. I'm Seth Wilcock, packing the heat tonight. And I'm joined by a man who lives on a 3,000-acre ranch down the great state of Texas. He drives a big old diesel. And he loves those Houston Texans. The founder of Pros with Joes. The founder of Green Screens Media, Eric Romoff. Happy Expo Week to you, Eric. How are you doing, my friend? Man, happy Expo Week indeed. This has been a hellacious week for me on the work front, on the family front. But if nothing else, man, it is Expo Week. I feel like none of that can can tear me down. And I I gotta say, I don't I don't appreciate you spinning those spinning those lies about me right off the top of the show, right? And the the funny thing is. The thing that was not a lie was me being a Texans fan. That's usually what people <laughs> lie about, but I am an avid Texas fan. I, I do have my uh, my hands in those projects that you mentioned, but I don't have the big ranch. I don't have the diesel. I don't have the truck nuts. Have a uh, have a pretty modest setup here on uh, about a quarter acre of land in Texas. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I heard 3,000 acres. That's what was kind of going around the, the internet. So I'm just taking the internet's word here. But we appreciate you being here, Eric. Excited to link up with you uh, later this week, man. It's going to be a fun time out there in Canton, Ohio, dude. Like the birthplace of football. And it just had an electric week. Uh, I mean, couldn't keep the power on. For, it was so electric, Eric. Uh, so we had the Hall of Fame enshrinement. We had the Hall of Fame game. We didn't cash in on the lineup that we put out there together as a unit, but it was exciting at times, man. It was a good run. I think we learned a little bit, uh, ex- especially what we need to kind of know here in the preseason when it comes to DFS. These games are crapshoots. Sometimes you're going to get Tim Boyle for two quarters when you didn't expect that, and then you're Chris Trevler's, uh kind of riding the pine there. So, uh, Eric, any any takeaways from this last weekend in Canton in week one of the preseason uh, action so far? Yeah, I mean, there was a point I, I knew that you were on delay and I texted you around halftime because I think at that point we had four of the six players in the optimal, right? So we we were off to a pretty good start. And obviously the the back half of any preseason game is chaos, especially the the Hall of Fame game, right? So, um, you know, had had some had some good guys from the build, but 
ultimately the the overarching lesson is is just that right like you are very much so scratching that gambling itch if you're playing preseason dfs <laughs> yeah and so if you're gonna do that like you have to treat it like the largest of of gpp fields right like you need to try to touch all the bases and cover all the bases and you try to balance your exposures because you know we can we can be as informed and as dialed in as possible on what what coaches are saying what we're seeing out of camp but you know there's going to be those wild cards that if you don't have exposure to your your lineup is is pretty much cooked yeah we already fell victim to a little bit of coach speak with hassan hall last week it was all john kelly early and then we saw some Demetric felton as well uh but hey man it is a new week and we're going to talk all about that we're also going to chat a little bit about some of the news happening out of training camp is it something we should bear in mind or is it bullshit we're going to sniff that shit out for you guys let you know what should be impacting your fantasy leagues and what shouldn't be and then we're going to round it out with a little bit of would you rather expo edition uh also joining us tonight uh, a man who I just got to spend a lovely Sunday with and have a little Sunday chicken dinner at the homestead with uh, Kyle Scott. Kyle, how are we sounding in the back end, man? How are you doing? Uh, appreciate you being here tonight, man. Thanks, Seth. Everyone's sounding good as always. I'm out here living the dream in Pittsburgh. The weather was finally nice enough today to go outside for more than five Hell yeah. minutes. Hell yeah. So, everything is great. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you being here, man. We also appreciate the IBT family coming in hot tonight in the chat. We have Didi already coming in. We got Albert coming in as well. We appreciate you, Albert. Good evening to you, man. Albert's an OG, always an OG on this one. So we appreciate him. Uh, we also got, we all, yeah, yeah. We also got Hoove in the chat as well. Uh, he's ready for the expo this weekend. Uh, yeah. And, and we're definitely going to talk about Kareem Hunt maybe going to Indy. Ooh. Maybe going to the Saints. We're trying to write this show sheet for this week, Eric. And, and news is just dropping. Like, but we got like, I, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But we got source off. We got a source <laughs> off. We got Rossini blowing up rap sheet and vice versa. It's absolutely electric right now in the NFL. I'm excited to get into it with you. Um, before we do dr- jump in, though, just want to remind everyone one more time, uh, draft night out this weekend. If you guys are going to be in Canton, Ohio, if you're going to be at the Expo, Come hang out with us, slug some beers, snipe some motherfuckers in a draft. We're going to be at the brew kettle right overlooking Tom Benson Field, man. So uh, come hang out with us. Excited for it. And uh, thank you to everyone. who the, the support, the growth on the channel the last week or two has been, like, just insane. So thank you guys all, like, the thumbs up, the comments. I know we talk a lot. I know we, you know, we're not always perfect on here. But uh, the, the vibe is always good with you guys. So let's go ahead. Uh, let's get into it with some bear in mind or bullshit. This just in breaking news, man. That sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me. bear in mind or bullshit eric we got to go down to new orleans where we do get the alvin kamara suspension it's going to be three games for him after just knocking that motherfucker out honestly um and kareem hunt expected to sign there we get the report earlier from diane rossini 
And then Rap Sheet comes out and is saying, hey, he's heading to the Colts. It was a great visit. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a market for Kareem Hunt. How do you think this one unfolds? And what does it mean for fantasy managers? Yeah, it's it's kind of tricky, right? Um, I, prior to today, was not expecting the Saints to be all that serious about signing Kareem Hunt. So when the news came out that he was in New Orleans and that it was expected he was going to sign a contract, I was a bit surprised. And then obviously, surprise whiplash, he left New Orleans without a contract. Apparently, he's off to New to. Yep. Uh, Indianapolis for a visit. So I, I think this this really, you know, encapsulates two things. You know, the the running back market is still very much so up in the air, right? Part of the reason why I wasn't really buying into the Saints signing him is, you know, that's a that's a relatively expensive free agent acquisition for a position that, you know, they they will have to figure out what to do for the first three weeks of the season. But you know, across Jamal Williams, across some of the free agents and rookies they've brought in, like I think they're they they have capable enough guys to to bridge that gap to where going out and spending you know considerable money in free agency just didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. The other takeaway is that I mean I don't know if it's general managers learning from the fantasy side. I'll say that for the sake of my own ego, or maybe fantasy managers learning from NFL GMs, but Kareem Hunt. He's kind of he's kind of at a tier break, right? Like he is the lowest of the top tier running backs that are available in the op- in in the in the in the market, right? So just like we do when we are in the middle of our snake draft, right? Like you you find value by getting the last guy in that tier, Certainly. and it seems like that's probably what's going on in the actual NFL running back market, right? Like nobody wants to go all the way up to a Dalvin Cook and, you know, pay pay top dollar for this aging and Fortunately, diminishing asset, but they they want to get as close to that as possible for an incrementally lower dollar amount. And I think Kareem Hunt kind of fits that build. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the first of kind of the big names that are out there to find a new home. Yeah, I'm still not entirely convinced it's going to be New Orleans, though. Yeah, I think if anything, them just bringing in Kareem Hunt. I think it says something about Kendra Miller and that all the hype has kind of been smoke. Honestly, I I, I don't think. Miller has the profile to be the breakout running back that a lot of people are predicting. He's coming off that injury still as well. Uh, we know Eno Benjamin just went down with an injury as well. Um, so, I, you know, it's dicey out there in uh, in New Orleans. But I, I think a lot of dynasty managers, people already drafted and redraft and spent up for Kendra Miller. Uh, it might not be Kendra Miller time. It might be Kareem Hunt time. Um and then Albert saying here in the chat, do you guys ultimately think that Hunt signs with the Colts? I think it's whoever pays him more. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Eric, uh, if you had to lay money on one way or the other, who's the favorite to get him at this point? Um, or is it a push? I mean, I'd say it's probably a push. Your your characterization is spot on, right? He's going to go wherever he gets the most money, right? Like the, the days of running backs trying to plug into like a contender to go win a title – are gone, right? Like these guys yeah. have to get every dollar they can while they can. So he will 100% go to where the largest bidder is residing. I'm I'm not sure it's either of these teams, right? I, I already laid out why it doesn't make sense for me in New Orleans at least a ton. And from the last time I was on, I, yeah, we I talked definitively. About it. Yeah, I, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to play the full slate of games, assuming he's healthy for the Colts, right? So there's not really going to be a, a whole lot of need for you know, a premier free agent runner in Indianapolis. So 
pretty close to a push. None of these make a ton of sense to me, if I'm being honest. If I had to lean one way or the other, I, I mean, I guess I would lean towards New Orleans just because you know they do have that suspension that they need to try to figure out how to work around. And maybe, like you laid out, they aren't quite as confident in Miller as uh, some of his preseason hype might allude to. And I think one thing it signifies as well is if, if he goes to the Saints – like goodbye, goodbye to all the value in the in in the running back room yeah. there because you have Jamal Williams led the NFL in touchdowns I last have so year. So many shares of those. I, yeah, and and then yeah, <laughs> all my value's Hunt. gone out of that backfield. Yeah, Alvin Kamara too. Like we wanted to take the shot on Alvin Kamara and Scott Fishbowl. I think we laid him out as one of our sleepers in that episode, and. You know, it might be for, for not if Kareem Hunt's in the picture as well. Um, but let's move down to Jacksonville to some potential positive news for a rookie running back. And that's Tank Bigsby here. Uh, Doug Peterson compliments Tank Bigs, Big, Bigsby's athleticism, size, speed, and pass catching. Um, ripped off an 80-yarder uh, the same day as well, Eric. So is this hype uh, around Tank's Bigsby? Because I didn't think he could pass catch worth a damn. At least they didn't use him that way in Auburn. Um, so is this just smoke or is this actual something we should bear in mind? I think this is closer to smoke, right? Um, look, there are plenty of guys every single year that have that one explosive play that shot on someone's iPhone when they didn't turn it to landscape and everyone goes nuts for them. Right. So like it, you, you'd much rather see that than not. Right. I don't want to yeah. you know, take, take away yeah. credit. It's still hard to break off an 80 yarder, no matter what the circumstance is. So kudos to him but ultimately you know that plus you know kind of a, a, a you know a, a ringing endorsement from from Doug Peterson it, it, it's got to be taken with a grain of salt right and especially this time of year we are looking for every quote that we can get our hands on yes we're trying to dissect and pick it apart and the one piece of advice I think I've said it here before as well always go back and listen to the question that was asked that prompted that response right and ultimately Doug Peterson was asked about Tank Tank Bigsby, and so this is a player that they invested a draft pick in. What do you expect him to say, right? Like he's going to say positive things about this young man, try to build him up. Um, so I, I do think that it needs to be taken with a grain of salt because ultimately this was a, a prompt that Doug Peterson was responding to, and you you can't you can't put a ton of stock in those in those explosive preseason camp videos. All the ETN haters are coming out right now, too. And I think his yeah, ADP, if you guys aren't drafting for a couple of weeks and Tank Big, Bigsby actually has a, a pretty good preseason, I think Travis ETN is going to be a massive value. I like him at his ADP now, and I think that could even get you know at a better of a deal as we get towards the end of August here if the hype continues to build around Tank Bigsby. I like him, man. He's a he's a solid back. He has you know day two draft capital versus a lot of these guys we've talked about who have more day three draft capital. However, I, I didn't I didn't love his tape. I didn't love his tape. I didn't love what I saw uh, at Auburn the last couple of years. So we'll see what happens. I know there's a fan club out there building, um, but either way, guys, Travis Etienne, keep him in mind here. Um, and let's let's talk about one other rookie here and bear in mind or bullshit. This one might be a little little more bear in mind, honestly. Uh, Chiefs undrafted rookie. Did man? Can you say this word, Eric? I, I don't even know how to say this name. It's Deneric Prince. Yeah. Okay, Deneric Prince. Deneric Prince. Do you buy that Deneric Prince has been the team's most impressive back in Isaiah Pacheco's absence? Is that something that 
actually sounds plausible. We have Clyde Edwards-Alaire there. We have Jarrett McKinnon, who, granted, these guys are veterans. They're probably not doing a whole lot in preseason, but there is legitimate chance that Daenerys Prince could actually get some run here uh, when it comes to the fall. I mean, taking it literally, I wouldn't be surprised if Daenerys Prince was, in fact, the most impressive back in Isaiah Pacheco's absence. And a lot of that is is really just, you know, deductive reasoning, right? Um, you know, McKinnon isn't your traditional back. CEH, you know, is closer to McKinnon than he is closer to kind of between the tackles runner, right? So in terms of the things that teams look for running backs to do historically, I mean, it's kind of Prince and nobody else. But also, to be fair, he has performed relatively well, right? So, you know, I, I think some of this is on merit. I think some of this is just process of elimination, right? He's the one that looks most like a traditional running back in terms of how NFL teams use him. And, you know, for, for Prince, I mean, as long as Pacheco's not out there, I mean, he's he's going to be in the player pool when we play DFS, right? Like, this is a guy that is, you know, he's going to get an opportunity because there's injury in front of him, and we'll see if he can make the most of it. Yeah. Uh, if, if I had to say gun to the head right now, redraft, who are you taking, Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Prince late rounds? I'd probably go Prince. I don't think either of these guys are being drafted to the point where that's really a decision, right? But uh, the first the first guy that I'm picking up off waivers out of those two is is Prince, right? I think CEH has kind of run his course in in Kansas City. You know, I think that's know what, what this says more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like we we know what to expect of him, and if nothing else, like it's probably a fairly low percentage, but a percentage nonetheless that Prince might carve out a, a role for himself in this offense. All right, you guys heard it. Daenerys Prince, he's on the radar, uh, especially in DFS this week for week one of the the preseason, which we're going to get into and uh, break down our core plays for the Thursday night sleigh here here in matchup management. Who you got? Matchup management. Who's it going to be? Dgens, come one, come all. It is matchup yeah. management. It is the DFS core plays for the week. Week one, the official start of it uh, was last week. We didn't hit as much as we wanted to, uh, but we're back again. And now we have a full slate to choose from. We have a lot of different teams to look into, a lot of different contexts to try to make sense of. Um, we're not going to see a ton of starters here in week one, Eric. Uh, but overall, feelings and vibes as we head into uh, week one of the preseason here and uh, a little more DFS action. I mean, look, vibes are high, right? Every time that we get one of these slates, we are that much closer to the kickoff of the regular season. And, you know, with, with the new preseason format, you know, we're probably going to see some of the, the starters play a little bit more in week one than we, yeah. we typically have seen historically. And, you know, week over week, we're going to see, you know, more and more time for these players, but also it might not be the, the prettiest football out there, right? It's football nonetheless, so you're not going to find me complaining. There's so much that you can learn from watching these preseason games, right? Like camp battles get decided there. You can see where a team is going to on third down or in the red zone, right? Like, you know, some of, if not most of these players might not actually see the field when the regular season gets here, but you can learn about the things they want to do on offense. You can get an inside track to 
who's going to make the roster, who's going to win that wide receiver three spot. So it's just there's so much information coming at you. I, I can't wait for it to kick off on Thursday. 100%. Let's get into the action here, Eric. Let's talk about quarterbacks. I. All right. So we, we have the two games. We have Patriots uh, versus Texans and also uh, going out uh, west a little bit, Minnesota and Seattle. Where is your favorite quarterback play here? Because there's a couple to me that just feel very stinky. And then there's a couple that I think have a lot of upside. And I think it starts in Houston with the number two overall pick. Oh, so one of my favorite plays, I think you might categorize as stinky. So we'll uh, we'll save that one for, for later. The the one that I'm I'm most excited about is in the second game between Minnesota and Seattle. And that's Jaron Hall. Uh, you look back to last year, and last year it was Kellen Mond. We all know Kellen Mond is terrible. But nonetheless, Kevin O'Connell and his coaching staff really wanted to see what they had in the young quarterback during the preseason. He played a ton of snaps and actually threw a fair amount in two of those preseason games. And coming out of practice this week, Coach Kevin O'Connell is saying something relatively similar with regard to Jaron Hall. He wants to see what the rookies have on his team broadly. He also mentioned Jaron Hall specifically by name that he wants to see what he can do out there. And if nothing else, preseason DFS is a world of scarcity, right? Like if you can find someone that is going to get, you know, any run at at any projectable run out there, that, that player will have value. And especially at the quarterback position, not only do you have his throwing upside, but also Jaron Hall can do a little bit with his legs, right? So, you know, if if he if he snaps a couple off and gets you two, three, four extra points, maybe you get lucky and he, you know, he takes one to the house. You know, obviously he has the the potential to be uh, you know, a, a tournament winner and, and can really break the slate, but you're probably waiting till the second half for that, and it's gonna look ugly a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. That Jaron Hall, very good career at BYU. Um, you know, had some really good weapons down there. Puka Nakua, kind of the highlight of it of it all. But uh, you're talking me into it, but I, Jaron Hall, I don't know. He was a prospect. I thought a little bit inaccurate uh, when judging myself. But I, I, I think overall you are right. He could get some second half run here. Um, it's just giving me Strebler vibes a little bit. So uh, I, I think I might stay away. Yeah. But definitely worth a look probably at least in a couple lineups here. Um I want to go back to to the earlier game here, the Patriots and the Texans. This is the highest over-under on the board. I think that's why C.J. Stroud just screams to me, you have to play him. And this is a New England secondary who they're kind of testing out some of these younger guys. Christian Gonzalez, what does he have in the tank? We're going to see that tonight. No Jack Jones. We kind of know what happened with him earlier in the offseason. I think we talked about it, you and I, Eric. Um, So a lot of fuckery kind of happening up there in New England, I think. CJ Stroud is going to impress. I think the Texans might impress as well in general. So I'm interested in Stroud. Uh, Other than that, I have one dart throw at quarterback thoughts on Stroud or anyone else in this slate that you're playing at the QB position, Eric. Yeah. So this, this one's kind of tricky. Um, You know, as I, as I harp about, you know, time on the field being King, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to get a clear line of sight as to how much, players are going to be out there, but there are going to be some, some players, CJ Stroud, I think being one of them that even if he's not out there for, you know, uh, more than a couple of series, 
he's he's going to be heavily involved, right? Like their game plan is going to be him getting the ball out of his hand, him getting through his progressions, right? So when he's taking taking balls from under center, I think they're going to be throwing the vast majority of those times. And I, as a prospect, think that he is talented enough to really have some upside in that limited playing time. I actually kind of like going the contrarian side of this. And I'm going to go to old giraffe neck himself, Davis Mills. You son of this a bitch. A, you sick this son is of a bitch. NFL replacement level quarterback, right? He, he played a round league average against starters over the course of his two-year career. And Very true. I do think I do think where we're going to end up with the Texans specifically is they're saying it's, you know, it's it's an open battle and it can go either way. Obviously, CJ Stroud is going to win the job before the season starts. Obviously, he is the future in the context of him standing next to Davis Mills. So I think we're going to see Stroud get a series or two. And I think Davis Mills could be playing, you know, north of a quarter, maybe even a half against not the questionable front line of the Patriots defense, but the even more questionable second and third line of, of their defense, right? So, you know, the the volume there is really interesting to me. And if nothing else, the fact that he is going to be almost 0% owned is something that's going to be super appealing to me. Would you play them both? I think playing them both could even give you a little bit of upside as well. Yeah, I mean, look, you're you're covering all the all the bases if if you do that, right? Um, you know, for, for me, it's, it's like I said, off the top, it's, it's going to come down to exposure, right. You know, depending on which wide receivers I'm targeting, which tight ends I'm potentially targeting, you know, there, there are going to be some, you know, some builds where I'll shade towards Stroud or I'll shade towards Mills, but you know, it, it's so hard for me to, to turn my back on, on playing time. And I think, I think Mills's playing time is a little bit more secure this week. Okay. I want to talk about my dart throw quarterback, and then we can move on to the running back position. Um, I got to pull him out. It's the Penn State guy. It's Trace McSorley, uh, quarterback now in New England. And this is a very interesting situation because do we see more Mac Jones? Because it is a new system. It is Bill O'Brien calling the shots. I think at most you're seeing a quarter of Mac Jones, if that, maybe a couple series. And then I think we're going to see a lot of Bailey Zappi. But I think the whole second half or close to it is going to be McSorley. And I think this is where he shines, man. Averages 3.25 rushes every preseason game he's been in. And he's going to be going up against the third stringers. And now he has like tangible NFL starts under his belt as well. They weren't always pretty. You know, they weren't always pretty. But uh, he got the job done a couple of times for the Cardinals last season. And like he's a guy who can very easily add a touchdown and that's what you're looking for you're looking for touchdown upside here and you're playing preseason dfs we hit it with dtr last week he was awesome strevler did not get us a touchdown absolutely murdered us and like that's what you're looking for and i think trace mcsorley has as good a shot of anyone in the second half of this earlier game to uh get it done here and get six for his team and for dfs managers eric i am in complete lockstep with you right um you mentioned DTR last week. Obviously, uh, I'm the sicko out here that's making a case for Jaron Hall. So clearly, I have a type. And that type is <laughs> going to see about half of the game out there on the field who can do some stuff with his legs and is going to be going up against third stringers in the worst-case scenario, right? So, you know, uh, Trace McSorley is checking a ton of boxes there. You know, going back to your prior point in terms of how much we see Mac Jones – 
I would anticipate a series or two, right? That seems to be kind of the, the sort of de facto mold that most teams are falling into for this first week of the preseason. So I'm expecting a little bit of Mac Jones. I don't see we'll I don't think we'll see anywhere near as much of Bailey Zappi as we did last year. So really, you know, probably combining for a little bit more than a quarter across the two of them. And then it's Trace McSorley season. And that volume, especially with someone who can get it done with his feet, is 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 something that you can't pass up in, in DFS. Yeah, 100%. I have no interest in Drew Locke. Um, I'll just get that out of the way. I, I'm not interested in running him out. He had three interceptions in his debut with the Seahawks last preseason. Mm-hmm. So no Drew Locke for me. I think we touched on the, the, the majority of the quarterbacks in the slate that we want to target. Let's go to the running back positions. And this is where it get, gets really, really interesting. We know New England. They had some squabbles that they might be bringing in Lenny. They might be looking at Kareem Hunt, some of these veterans. However, Pierre Strong looks to be the guy here on Thursday night. We won't see Ramondre Stevenson. We saw limited play for Pierre Strong last year, man. Like 10 attempts, 100 yards rushing. He ripped some big gainers off, though, during the NFL regular season. Also caught seven of seven uh, for his receptions as well. Caught two passes in his first preseason game last season. What do you make of this New England backfield? Do you think we see a lot of, you know, the the regulars that we see so often in this backfield? Or is it Pierre Strong early and often like it was John Kelly last week uh, in the Hall of Fame game? Yeah, I think we see kind of a return to to normalcy for for New England, right? If, If you recall forever and ever, New England in the preseason was a team that you know, they found their horse in, in terms of their, their running back stable, and they just ran him into the ground, right? Last year, where I mentioned earlier, Bailey, uh, Bailey Zappi was, you know, slinging the rock all over the yard. That was that was kind of the exception and, and not the rule, right? So now I think that Bill O'Brien is back in New England as the offensive coordinator. We're probably going to see a heavy dose of the ground game. And of the guys that they have there, Pierre Strong makes a ton of sense, right? Obviously, it's it's not going to be Ramondre Stevenson. You know, some of the other guys that that are going to be kind of lingering around in this running back room, you know, they're they're a bit more of the special teamer mold. And specifically JJ Taylor, baby, game, you don't you don't want to see those guys go down. Right. So it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I think Pierre Strong is probably going to be, you know, kind of the anchor option, because when we get to the regular season, his role is probably going to be arguably the most limited out of the available options for the guys to the, this this week. Is there anyone else in this game that you're interested in playing? A- anyone in the like in the running back market? Um, I think the other side of the ball, there's a lot of question marks. I don't know how much we're going to see Damian Pierce. I don't know how much we're going to see Devin Singletary either. Um, how do you feel about this one, Eric? Yeah, I wouldn't expect much Damian Pierce, right? Um, you know, they, we, me and my Texans, caught lightning in a bottle getting Damian Pierce what they did in the draft last year. And so I think they want to use all of that mileage in games that actually mean something, right? So maybe a series just so you can kind of get used to uh, to the game speed. I would imagine something pretty similar with with Devin Singletary. You know, the, the blocking scheme is a little bit different in Houston from what he's accustomed yeah. to uh, historically in, in Buffalo. So, you know, maybe maybe an additional series or two for him just so he can really get comfortable in that role 
primarily as a as a pass blocker and and third down back. So really, I mean, you're going to have to go, you know, deep down this very crowded running back room in order to find a guy, you know, maybe Darren Ogunbowale. I mean, he's he's kicked around this this organization forever. Yeah. He's he's popped a few times in the in the preseason here or there. You know, for me, I'm probably going to look to avoid or if I if I really want to, you know, throw a dart uh, validate the the undrafted uh, rookie free agent. You know he's he's a bit undersized, but he's he's put some you know some some highlight real stuff out there in camp as well. You know maybe he gets some run towards the end of the game, might sneak in like some fourth quarter action. But you know ultimately with all of these guys, you really need them to fall into the end zone. So if you're going to have exposure to the Texans backfield, you need to have a few different guys that you're going to rotate around. Okay. What about this West Coast game? Because I think this is the one that's really interested here in the backfield because we have all these injuries in Seattle. Zach Charbonnet is dealing with something. Kenneth Walker is dealing with something. Last week, Kenny McIntosh, their third string rookie running back, he got banged up as well. Um, That leaves one guy who was on this roster just a month ago. That's Brian Kobach. Uh, This guy was undrafted free agent in 2022, signed with the Vikings, was on their practice squad. Talk about something to prove. You know what I mean? I, I think this is a guy who comes out of Toledo, 4,000 rushing yards in four seasons. Uh, good little receiver, actually, as well. 66 receptions, 650 yards. Uh, but what I like, especially uh, about our guy Bryant here, Eric, is last preseason, 14 attempts, 41 yards, a touchdown, and two receptions. Good for 13 and a half fantasy points. I think he could be a sneaky play, uh, maybe even a captain lock if, if you're going showdown. Yeah, I, I, I like the call overall, right? You know, one thing that I, I will mention, the, the other viable name back there is is DJ Dallas, right? But uh, apart from, from those two, like, they don't really have bodies at this position, right? So yeah. if nothing else, like, I, I continue to harp on, you know, creating player pools and and balancing your exposures. The Seattle backfield for this this game upcoming on Thursday is very easy to do that with, right? You really have two choices. So, um, you know, your your hit rate is going to be through the roof. Of the two, I do think that Kobach is the one to prioritize. You know, he he's got a bit more juice than than DJ Dallas does. But like I was talking about in the earlier game, like we talked about when we were trying to to arrive at the correct Jets running back last week. With all of these guys injured in front of him, DJ Dallas being familiar with the system, yes. you know, yes. having the trust of the coaching staff also playing a role on special teams. Yes. They're not going to want to risk that in in the first week of the preseason, right? So he'll get out there, he'll knock the rust off a little bit, but ultimately I, I think we see Kobach play a far bigger share of snaps relative to DJ Dallas. DJ Dallas all of a sudden to the Seahawks like isn't a very very important player. Yeah, it, it, it's funny how the tables have he turned. Needs to negotiate I, his contract right now. I, <laughs> Go I've to Pete the, office. <laughs> yeah, I love DJ Dallas. Honestly, I I would love to chat with him. I've been a big fan of him. I've always kind of been a little bit of a truther. Um, so yeah, he's suddenly valuable, but not this week in DFS. <laughs> we think it's Kobach. Anyone from Minnesota's uh, backfield that you're targeting? I'm very uneasy about this one, Eric, because we've seen the official depth charts. We know what we're looking at, um, but it's very, very crowded as well. A lot of decent names in there. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of decent names is a good way to put it. But I, I think I think when we kind of, you know, go down the list, we end up in a similar spot 
to what we did with Seattle, right? Alexander Madison is questionable. I I doubt he sees a snap. He might not even suit up for this game. I'd be surprised. Yeah. Guanu is is probably in a similar boat, right? You know, if he plays, it's going to be you know fairly limited overall. So you know, really, we're looking at four guys, one of which being CJ Ham. So obviously, you can cross that name out. So you know, for for me, it it comes down to to Ty Chandler, the the second year running back. But also Dwayne McBride, I, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the quarterbacks that Kevin O'Connell came out and said he loves seeing what these rookies can do in the context of a preseason game. So like I mentioned before, you have to pick these quotes apart. You have to pull everything out of them that you can. I think that means that we might see a bit more McBride than we do Chandler. But ultimately, rotate around these two guys. It's essentially a pool of two players for me. So Really, in this in this second game, in this West Coast game, I think we've got a super clear picture on the guys that we're targeting for our running back player pool, and we should be able to get reasonable contribution out of uh, attacking the position in that game specifically. Love McBride, love McBride, honestly. So that would that would warm my heart to see see him kind of go out there on Thursday night and do something. Um, so great analysis there. Let's go to the wide receiver position. I'm going to take a shot, like maybe one shot per lineup, if even that. Like there are some lineups I think I'm going to build without wide receivers um, if, if I am going to be playing the, the captain mode here this weekend. Because as we saw last week, like it was really hard unless the receiver got a touchdown to make a big impact. Even some of those guys we liked, like Cedric Tillman, Jason Brownlee going mm-hmm. into that game. Um, but if there is one I'm taking a shot on, it's Tank Dell, um, already listed as the starting slot receiver. And this was the guy that C.J. Stroud wanted, right? This is the guy he, he he barked about getting. He got him. Reports already standing out in camp. And I don't think this is going to bite us like it did last week playing Cedric Tillman, playing Brownlee. Uh, this is a guy back-to-back 1,300-yard seasons, 29 TDs in two seasons as well at Houston. I think he's going to make a big splash here in week one of preseason. I completely agree. Um, I have been a Tank Dell stand from the moment that the Texans went out and drafted him in large part because their newly minted franchise quarterback, like you mentioned, pounded the table and said, get me Tank Dell, right? So like when when there's not only that interest coming from the quarterback, but the organization shows the buy-in and the support of that franchise quarterback to go out and get him, like clearly this guy is in their near to, you know, to, to middle term plans. And his skill set is one that, you know, I'm not surprised at all that he's he's already made his way up to, you know, the starting roster on the unofficial depth charts that all dropped it this week, right? So, I mean, he's he's undersized. He's going to have to navigate that. But he's just he's just a quick twitch monster. He gets in, out of, in and out of his breaks in the crack of a whip. He's fantastic at creating separation. Despite his small size, his catch radius is insane, right? He's just got huge ups he can go up and high point the ball and win contested catches like there's so much to love about tank dell and i am over the moon that you know in a in a relatively short amount of time his skill set is one that has earned him um you know starting consideration so super happy for him super happy for the texans that you know the the cream is rising to the top and in the context of dfs this week i i do think that he is going to be a difference maker in your builds 
Is there anyone else at the wide receiver position that you would think could possibly be a difference maker? Tank Dell is the only name I had highlighted on my list. Anyone else that you'd be building uh, lines around this week, Eric? Yeah, you know, Tank Dell is definitely the the priority for me. Um, you know, kind of like we were talking about with regard to C.J. Stroud, I, I don't think that, um, you know, uh, some of these players are going to see a ton of playing time but their involvement when they're on the field is going to be right up there. And that's some of the, the rookies, right? I think Jordan Addison is, is one that is going to see a number of looks in his kind of two to four series overall. Uh, I think we're going to see something, you know, pretty similar with Jackson Snick and Jigba, you know, maybe he sees a quarter, maybe both of them see a quarter, but when they're out there, I do think that they're going to try to start building those connections and that repetition and getting them accustomed to, what it means to be open at the NFL level, you know, what type of contact you're going to see, not only as you're getting in and out of your routes, but as you're trying to come down with the ball. So, you know, these are guys that I do think carry some upside. They're also some of the flashier names, so they're probably going to be a bit chalkier as well. Yes, um, yes. You know, if, if you want to go down the list, if, if you're a glutton for punishment especially and you're going to roster uh, Drew Locke, if you want to stack them up with someone, Jake Bobo is kind of an interesting name, right? I don't think we're going to see much, if any, of Metcalf and Lockett. Like I mentioned before, JSN maybe sees a quarter. And then yeah, we're, you know, I, we're, I don't even know if we see that at JSN, but, but yeah. So we're, we're really getting into kind of a wasteland of, of wide receiver here. And, and Bobo's had some, some pretty good moments in camp, right? There's some, uh, there's some reporting and some quotes coming out of uh, the, the press conferences after practice about, you know, his ability to win balls. Uh, they did like a simulated game not that long ago, and he essentially had a touchdown catch. He, he actually found out he was ruled to be out of bounds on a pretty close toe drag swag. So, you know, it, it seems like he's finding ways to at least, you know, make an impression on the coaching staff. And, you know, if, if you do that, especially as a young man in, in camp, you know, they're going to want to see how that camp performance translates into game performance in the preseason. So, bit more of a dart throw but you know Bobo is one that I think is kind of interesting for the Seahawks okay we got Jake Bobo we also have Tank Dell uh JSN and Jordan Addison a little bit interesting maybe more of the chalk plays here in week one of preseason um but w I want to kind of just round this out group it together tight ends kickers defenses um is there anyone you're looking at only ones for me we talked about it Drew Locke this guy is awful I think um and while we like Jake Bobo, we like Matt Landers there in Seattle as well out of Arkansas. These are both undrafted free agents, so I don't expect them to make a ton of noise. Um, Dwayne Eskridge out here coughing charges, like out here just coughing charges right now, So <laughs> allegedly. So I, I think Seattle's going to have a hard time moving the ball through the air. So I like the Vikings defense. I think Drew Locke is poised to make a mistake. Um, any other plays for you, kicker, Ds, Taes? Yeah, I mean, look, betting on Drew Locke to make make a mess of things and just piss down his leg has been a winning proposition thus far in his career. So um, I, I'm right there with you on the Minnesota defense. Like I mentioned last week, you know, really for me, just make sure you're not rostering the defense that's going against your captain or your quarterback is really the, you know, the most sound advice. You know, in a vacuum, Minnesota is the most appealing Tight end is an absolute dumpster fire. For this, I couldn't find for this anything. Slate. Like I couldn't. Yeah, I, it was. It I was mean, terrible. Like, 
rotate your exposures again, right? I'll just continue writing it on the on the chalkboard like like Bart Simpson. You know, if, if I if I had to take a stab, I might look at Johnny Mund coming out of that. Out of that Minnesota. was the one name too. That was the one. But I look yeah. at his preseason stats, and like for some reason, he doesn't have like a lot of preseason stats. I don't know if he's just been injured in camp or what the deal's been. Um, yeah, so I, I, he. He doesn't, right? Um, and you know, looking at the historicals there, you know, it can it can be hit or miss. It, this is really a process of elimination, right? Hawks dealing with that injury; he's not going to be yes. out there. And listening, look if if you're a sicko like me and you have you have free time in your day or you have time that you want to look busy while you're at work, listen to what these coaches say in the post practice press conferences, right? Because you can hear the questions that are being asked. And there's a lot that you can take from it. And specifically when Kevin O'Connell was asked how they're going to deal with the tight end position while TJ Hawkinson's coming back and what he thinks of the players that are there behind him on the depth chart. Specifically, he mentioned Josh Oliver and he mentioned Nick Muse in the context of their ability to perform well as blockers in the run game, right? So really those two were kind of scratched off the list. And that just leaves Johnny Munn sitting there as really the only player that is a pass catching option at the position. And that's coming directly from Kevin O'Connell, right? Oliver and Muse, like, sure, they can go out on a little button hook and, you know, catch a ball here or there. But if the coaching staff is thinking of them as blockers, it, it is yeah. much easier to project yeah. the, the player that they didn't name to be their primary option as the pass catcher. And they paid Oliver so much that I don't think they're going to risk him that much either. Like, obviously, yeah, they have well. big, big, big plans for our boy Oliver out there. Um, but, all right, great to break down the slate with you here, Eric. Let's go ahead. Let's round out the show with a little bit of fun and uh, some Would You Rather Canton Expo edition. Would you rather? It's no simple matter. Joining us, Kyle Scott, audio producer extraordinaire. Eric and I will be venturing out to the home, the land, the birthplace of pro football this weekend. Canton, Ohio. I I said in a column once, it's like going back in a time machine uh, because it really is kind of an old school town, uh, but really chill vibes. We're going to be out out there uh, in the middle of fucking Ohio, Eric. So, uh, Kyle, we, we decided we're going to do a little Would You Rather edition. Have you been to Canton, Ohio yourself, Kyle? Um, have you been to Ohio and dealt with the Ohio fuckery yet? I have not been to Canton, but I have been to Ohio a couple times. I have dealt with some Ohio fuckery <laughs> for sure. Uh, I do have some family <laughs> living in Dayton. so. Uh, but I haven't been to Canton. I would love to go sometime. I didn't know it was the birthplace of pro football. I was under the impression that was Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, oh, oh, go little Pack. Packers st- staying out there. We we feel you. We man. feel you. Um, Kyle, let's start at the top, man. We got the preseason locked and loaded, so we're going to have some questions about that, some questions about the expo. Uh, l- l- let's get her going here. 
Yeah. So the first question is, I mean, in my opinion, it's pretty easy, but would you rather watch every NFL preseason game or Law and Order <laughs> SVU Special Victims Unit? So I think this was supposed to say every episode of Law and Order Special Victims <laughs> Unit, which there's a lot. There's like, I think like 800 something or every NFL preseason game of this year. Eric, how do you go, man? I love the NFL preseason, um, but we got like 16, you know, 15 games happening just this weekend. Uh, and then add add two more weeks of that. Yeah, I, I think I probably made my answer pretty clear as I was fanboying over the preseason at the top of the show. Um, so I'll I'll go with the NFL preseason games, but also I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stir the pot here. Not a big law and order fan. And there's so much of this law and order out there. I would almost have to dedicate my entire life to watch the remaining, to watch all the episodes of law and order SVU. They have what, like 30 seasons with, you know, dozens of episodes in each, right? So, I mean, there's, there's a practical matter of, I just don't want to make (laughs) that type of time investment, but also I would much prefer the NFL preseason. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Actually, funny story about Law & Order SVU. I never watched it. I never watched really any Law & Order for some reason until just this past weekend. I'm sitting there. I'm watching the end of the NASCAR race. It goes to rain delay. Um, so they're kind of interviewing the drivers. I fall asleep. I wake up. Law & Order SVU is on. I said, I said, what the hell is this? I said, this is kind of intriguing. I sat there for about two more hours and watched it. I said, this is great. I love how they show the courtroom and they also show that they also show like the before. Just great. Kyle, they thoughts show, on they show law and order. Yes. Both. Yes. Both. Yes. So <laughs> I don't think I, I, I think I'm with you. I think I'd be a much better fantasy manager and analyst if I watched the preseason. So I will take the preseason, but I do love me some SVU. Kyle, your thoughts on the matter. I'm a huge Law and Order fan, honestly. Oh, I made an enemy um, of Kyle. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while, but uh, and to be honest, I'm more of a fan of the original Law and Order, not uh, uh, SVU. Um, but if if we did it that uh, I didn't have to rewatch any episodes that I've already seen, that's a little bit more feasible. But because uh, that that would probably cut it at least in half, I think. There uh, we go. But we go. I mean, preseason football is probably easier, but less fun. Law and order, baby. Law and order. Uh, Didi in the chat, not a fan of law and order at all. It's that, good. Wow. Wow. NFL for Man. sure for Didi. She's a true fan. Hoove saying, would you rather go to Cracker Barrel at 8 a.m. with Hoove or go roller skating with <laughs> with the skating lady in the parking lot? I, I don't know what the, who the skating lady is um, in the parking lot, but I don't think I – I don't want to go to Cracker – I'm not a big Cracker Barrel guy. You guys Cracker Barrel fans? I could take it or I, leave it. Yeah, it can it can miss me, right? Like I'm good on the chain uh, breakfast places. I'm good. Yeah, there's there's far better breakfast to be had out there. Thank um, you. That, Thank uh, you. that little that little triangular peg game too. That thing has thwarted me enough to where I just I feel my anxiety level going up even when I drive past the cracker barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna show you and Hoop the uh, the best uh, 
the best breakfast place this weekend in Canton for sure. Um, he's saying, I'm with Kyle. I watched a lot of SVU on USA before oh, Raw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. USA Network, baby. Only okay. show we're, the we're burying the lead here, Seth. You, are are you claiming that you just watched your first episode of Law and Order SVU? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how. So? I, don't I, don't know. I don't know. I don't. Actually. This is this is part of the zeitgeist. Like, I don't see how you've managed to dodge it for this long. Maybe my brother at one point would watch it, and maybe like he tried. I don't know. I don't know. We watch like Criminal Minds and stuff. Like, you know, I I've been in this genre before. I've 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 poked around. Just yeah, never Law and never Order. Played for homage reason. to the OG, huh? Okay. Yeah, uh, Josh saying, would you rather trust a squirrel with my nuts than, <laughs> than to watch every NFL preseason game? We appreciate that, Josh. That's a great comment. That's a great <laughs> comment. Uh, what else do we have, Kyle? Uh, <laughs> Our next question is, would you rather go on vacation with Keith from the Canton Doubletree or Chevy Chase? All right, so a little context. Keith is the bartender at this Fantasy Football Expo hotel um, the week after they do the enshrinement where it's also probably crazy. And he kind of looks like the guy from Up. Uh, <laughs> and the dude's a legend. Like, like you know, kind of like your grandpa telling you to pipe down. You, you know, you ask for a drink. It might be 10, 15 minutes before he gets you, but he'll get you. So uh, Keith's a dog. I've heard rumors on the street. There is now a, an official Keith from the Doubletree uh, Twitter account running yep. right now. Um, and also, apparently, Keith is not no, long, no longer with the Doubletree is what we're hearing as well. So uh, with all that being said, yeah, er- Eric's looking surprised. He's down bad. Um, would you rather go on vacation with him, Eric, our boy Keith, that we might not see this weekend, or uh, Chevy Chase, who uh, Kyle, as we said before the show, Known to be a little bit of an asshole, right? Yeah, kind of a kind of just a all around dickhead is what we hear, pretty much. Man, I um, I can't speak to the color of Chevy Chase's character. Um, I I, I would imagine it would be a pretty <laughs> legendary time to go on vacation with Chevy Chase, even if he is a bit of a dickhead. But you know, setting my my personal you know wants and preferences aside. It's got to be Keith from the Canton Doubletree. This was going to be my answer anyways, but now that I find out that I'm not going to have that curmudgeon attitude and take-it-or-leave-it service available to me <laughs> at, the, at the Hilton Doubletree this year, like, Keith, if you're, which, if you're listening, I know you're a part of the IBT family. You have an open invitation to join any of my vacations. I will happily put you up next time we go to the Outer Banks, next time we're checking out Philadelphia, <laughs> Whatever it might be, this guy goes up. to Tahoe, Keith. This to guy go goes to Lake on Tahoe. On vacation with you, Tahoe, you're in. All right, hit me up. Look, I feel bad for Keith because they they clearly ramp up their their the, the amount of hands they have on deck for the Hall of Fame weekend, and in the following weekend, we come into town with the expectation and the reality of probably consuming somewhere between five and ten times the amount of alcohol that anyone from the prior weekend does, <laughs> and it's just Keith there. Like my guy is he, he is in the trenches. He is taking fire. Last year there were multiple times where I ordered a drink from Keith. He disappeared for about 15 minutes. He brought a he brought back a drink that I did not order. And when I mentioned it to him, he said, Do you want a drink or not? 
And I took the drink. I happily drank it. And I tipped him generously because that man is a saint. He is the glue that holds together the Fantasy Football Expo. And if he's not there this year, he will be sorely missed. That might have been the best promo anyone's ever cut in God, the history of this show. That brought tears so. to my eyes. That brought tears to my eyes. Kyle, we have time for w- one more question. Uh, you pick. You, we got a couple on the list. Go ahead and pick one while I, I wipe the tears right. away. That was great, Eric. <laughs> All right. So our final question we have time for is going to be, would you rather – Streak on the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium field at midnight or hitchhike from Canton to Cleveland? Eric, have you ever hitchhiked? You're a little bit older than Kyle and I, so I feel like it was a little bit bigger of a thing. Uh, back, you know, not that you're that much older, but it was a little <laughs> bit more of a thing, uh, you know, early 2000s. Uh, Breaking news. Seth has me hitchhiking, like hitching it my way to Woodstock <laughs> back in the day. Um, so I I personally haven't hitchhiked. Um, okay. But okay. practically speaking, especially as you get in these, these FF Expo group chats, I would say at least half of the people that are in attendance are, for all intents and purposes, hitchhiking from whatever airport they land at to Canton, right? There's not a whole lot of flights to Canton. Um, our, our, our one and only TS trash sandwiches. I was actually talking to her about giving her a ride. And she said, if nothing else, I'm going to wear a Scott fishbowl shirt and I'm going to sit at the Cleveland airport and look like I need help. And I'm sure someone will give me a ride. Right. So there, there are so many there people that are already thumbing it down to the expo that I, I almost feel like it's kind of a rite of passage. And I'm certainly not trying to catch a case streaking across any football field. Damn. I feel like I have to do it for old Tom, old Tom Benson, you know, old Tom mm. Benson Memorial field. Do it for Keith. Yeah. Yeah. Do it for <laughs> Keith as well. So I'm going streaking. I'm, I ain't hitchhiking. Screw that. Screw Far that. Better story to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You never know who picks you up hitchhiking. Kyle, I, I know you've never been to the pro football hall of fame. I do believe you've been up to Cleveland though. Uh, how would you like to hitchhike towards it? Uh, so I looked it up. Cleveland is about an hour away from Canton. So that's not a terrible... You could probably hitch that in two rides, right? Or probably even one. But, uh, I mean, really this question is, do I want to get arrested or murder? <laughs> so, I mean, it's tough. <laughs> I mean... I'll go with go hitchhiking, <laughs> I guess. We we got uh we got who saying hitchhike. I have great legs, so he's with you. Um, Dee Dee's she's coming streaking with us, so I appreciate the support, Dee Dee. Um, guys, it's been a great episode. It's been hilarious. You know where to find us by now. We're at IBT underscore Media. And Eric, tell us one more time where we can find you as well and best support you and uh, your channel. Yeah, all of the things that I do roll up into my Twitter, which is at FantasyNav. Um, and right now, the thing that is taking uh, the most of my time and attention is the Pros with Joe's Charity League. We're Joe's baby. Fundraising this week. Anyone that's participating that hasn't filled out their survey, you know what to do. Anyone that's interested in participating, get over to the website. It's proswithjoes.com. You can get yourself registered. You'll be the first to know when we do go live for fundraising. We also have some special offers for people that pre-register. So proswithjoes.com, at proswithjoes on Twitter. All right. Well, we appreciate you, Eric. 
Make sure you guys get involved with Pros and Joes over there. Come hang out with me. If you don't get enough of me already, uh, we'll do a fantasy team together as well. Uh, for Kyle, for my boy Eric Romoff, and for me, for Seth Keith. Wilcock, we'll be back next time on the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Mm-hmm.